0: Well, good morning everyone Hello. it's good to be back after having missed two Sundays skippers. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment passed here <laughs> so the first Sunday was for work skippers I was in Amsterdam with four square global leaders and uh, It was a a good time. Melissa asked me this morning if I actually brought cheese home. Some of you saw the picture that I posted on Facebook in the cheese shop. I did bring cheese home and it was lots of it because it's actually like really cheap there compared to here. Um, But it was quite the experience going and tasting all of these cheeses because um, the cheese in Europe and the cheese in America, even though they have the same name, are very different because I tried monster cheese in America. Okay, not great, but it was okay. I tried monster cheese in Europe. It was as though I licked the dirt underneath a sheep's bottom. It was, so, it was so bad that when I took a bite of it and it's like a brie, it's kind of mushy and so it instantly coats your tongue. I put it in my mouth. I instantly turned around and scraped it off my tongue and held it in my hand before anyone could see. And Shane, who I was traveling with, looked at me and goes, did you just take that out of your mouth? I'm well, yes, and I know you are in just a moment. And sure enough, he did it too. And the lady behind the counter laughed, and she goes, it's not the same as American monster, is, it?" <laughs> no. She quickly got us water and a napkin, and it was the most disgusting thing I have ever put in my mouth. And then my hand smelled like that for like four hours, no matter how much I washed it, it was really bad. Really bad, but all of that to say, we did. I, I did purchase quite a bit of cheese to uh Bob and Sanders' benefit because when your eight year old says, Mom, bring me some smoked Dutch Gouda <laughs> as his request from your travels, I'm like, How could you not? <laughs> so it's the best cheese ever when I mean, you can get it from the homeland. <laughs> so, needless to say, they got cheese, and our travels were good, it was a good time. Um, But it was while I was in Amsterdam that this message that I'm going to share this morning uh, began to stir in my heart. As Pastor Bob and I have taught many times and shared the story of Alistair many times, um, our family daily contends for the miraculous. We contend for the healing of our son Alistair, who's six years old and um, is missing part of a chromosome. And so daily we contend for his healing. Every day we um, look to the Lord to ensure Alistair's progression. Because the chromosome that he's missing is his 22nd chromosome. And with that, um, every day that he learns something, it's a miracle. Because the 22nd chromosome completes growth cycles. The 22nd chromosome ensures that he continues to develop throughout his life. And he's missing part of that. So there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee that tomorrow he will advance past today. So every day that he does learn something, we rejoice and declare it a miracle because God is always at work in our lives. And so while I was in Amsterdam, I had the opportunity to um, lead one of the morning devotions. And I was there for work. We were with um, four square leaders from around the world being trained in a resource that we will come back and train our regions in. So I'm talking to a room full of pastors, and so what do you share to a room full of pastors? Um, They already know everything, I'm assuming, especially since they were all my senior. And so um, as I prayed about what to share, the Lord um, told me to share my story. And so I shared part of our family's story, and I talked about um, Alistair's journey and how when we walk through his journey and while we contend for the miraculous every day, sometimes we're strong like David when David faced Goliath. And sometimes we're weak like the paralytic man on the mat. So sometimes we can face the giants all by ourselves, and sometimes we need our friends to carry us to Jesus. And um, I shared that part of our story. And afterwards, Dr. Leslie Kegel came up to me, and he happened to be one in the room. And Dr. Leslie Kiegel is our national four-square leader in Sri Lanka. And um, he is an amazing man that is gifted of the Lord and um, moves in the prophetic and in the healing and um, has prayed for people and raised them from the dead, has prayed for people and seen limbs grow back, has prayed for people and seen tumors fall off. Um, An amazing, gifted man of the Lord and the most humble man at that. Well, after sharing my story about Alistair, Dr. Kegel came up to me and said, I'm in Anaheim in March and I wanna pray for your boy. Mm -hmm. Now, we pray every day. And while we can contend for the miraculous, there's something about the anointing of a man who's been called (coughs) to pray for people to be healed. Mm -hmm. Now, I've prayed for people in my life, and I've seen people healed, and I move in that gift. But there's something about someone that the Lord sends to you and says, I am to pray for your son. Now, I don't know what the Lord's going to do with that. But you see, it wasn't Alistair's healing in that that I wrestled with. And that's what brings us to today in positioning our heart. Because as Dr. Kegel shared this with me, While I was excited, and still am, that come March, Dr. Kegel will pray for Alistair, I had to position my heart, because every time Alistair's healed, our identity changes just a little. Because for six years, our identity has been in Alistair's DeGeorge Syndrome. Our identity has been as a family contending for the miraculous, as a family who daily gets on our knees before the Lord and says, heal our boy. Lord, what are you doing? Heal our boy. And he does, little by little. But what will that look like if God completely heals him all at once? That will change the identity of the Pemberthy family. Which I will celebrate his healing, but I'll have to find a new identity. because now I won't be the mom sitting in a doctor's waiting room (coughs) praying for the parents of kids that have no hope. Now I'll be the mom declaring from the rooftops that my boy was healed and I don't have to sit in those waiting rooms. But it also means I won't have the opportunity to sit with those parents that need hope. So as I wrestled with all of this, and everything that I just shared with you was about a three minute glimpse into my (laughs) fast turning brain. Um, As I wrestled with that, I came home and shared with Bob. Dr. Kegel wants to pray for Alistair. We're supposed to bring him to him in March. He'll be here. Bob had the same wrestle. What does that look like for our family? We both want nothing more than to see Alistair healed. We want nothing more to declare what God has done in his life. But it changes who we are. And so as I continue to reflect about it and reflect about sharing this morning, the Lord revealed ever so kindly that it's not just about contending for the miraculous. It's positioning our heart for the miraculous. And that's what we're going to look at this morning So if you'll join with me in Matthew chapter 4, we're going to look at how Jesus positioned his heart to move in the Spirit. So in chapter 3, we see that Jesus was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so moving into chapter 4, this is where Jesus was tempted by Satan. And so how does this connect with the miraculous? Ever so deeply. So let's begin in verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. an exceedingly high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So Jesus is now filled with the Spirit and tempted by the devil. And he's responding to him out of that basis. And the first thing we see and know that when you're filled with the Spirit, you need to be aware of the attacks. So beware the attacks. In verse 1, it comes right out. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was going there and he would be attacked. Beware of attacks. Being Spirit-filled doesn't keep you from being tested. It doesn't keep you from the trials. It didn't keep the Pemberthes from facing a situation with our son. And while ours may seem big and extreme to some, to others... Whatever they're walking through is their attack. Whatever they're struggling with, whatever they question the Lord's hand in their life might be their attack. It doesn't have to be big, but on the other hand, it may well be. All of us navigate our own situations, but the Lord never leaves us nor forsakes us. And in the midst of that, we see in Peter four twelve, and 5 and 8, it says dear friends, don't be bewildered or surprised when you go through the fairy trials ahead. For this is no strange, for this is no stranger, unless that is going to happen to you. Be careful. Watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry roaring, roaring lion, looking for some victim to tear apart. The enemy is always out there. And the enemy would like nothing more than to tear you down in the moment that you call, on, uh, call upon the Lord. So in that instance, when Dr. Kegel came up to us and said, I want to pray for your son, the enemy wanted nothing more than to come in and say, well, that's all you have. That's your identity. You're known as Alistair's mom. You walk into doctor's offices and they know, oh, that's Alistair's mom. She's here because he's sick. That was the enemy speaking. And I need to be prepared for that. And Bob needs to be prepared for that. Because beware of an attack. We need to know that the enemy is out there. That we will be tempted. And we need to know where to turn. Beware of being self serving me verses 2 and 3 and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards he was hungry and the enemy said turn the stone into bread now i don't know about you but after <clears throat> i'm done fasting I will gladly turn that stone into bread. I am ready to eat. (laughs) Because after a really good fast, and no one fasts quite like Bob, who watches the Food Network throughout the entire time, to gear up to turning that stone into bread, (laughs) I'm ready to break my fast when it's done. I'm ready for that food. But Jesus was not going to be tempted. And not only was he not going to be tempted but he pointed the enemy back to the word. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Beware of being self-serving. Jesus could have easily been self-served. He could have turned that stone to bread, not only shown the enemy, shown the devil that, sure, I can do what you say. That's no problem. But he could have also fed himself. Could have been about him. But instead, he brought it back to the word. Instead, he pointed the enemy to what God had said. The evidence that the spirit is at work in any of our lives is to love one another. And love will never seek to take advantage of a situation. Jesus didn't take advantage of the situation. He didn't serve himself. He didn't look inward and say, hey, some bread would be really good right now after not eating 40 days. Instead, he pointed us to scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Jesus didn't parade himself. Jesus is love and therefore showed love. Beware of proving yourself. If the power of the Holy Spirit is in you, you don't have to prove it. In verse 6, it says, And he said to himself, If you are son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. So not only did Satan tell him to prove himself, but then he turns and reads scripture to him. And Satan's thoughts, two can play at that game. You give me scripture, I'll give you scripture. Prove yourself. Show me who you are. When you are spirit led, you don't have to prove yourself. Beware of proving yourself. Don't succumb to the devil's deception. You never need to prove the power of God in your life. Living out his word is the power, all the power that you need. Declaring him as your Lord and savior is all the power that you need. Being filled with his spirit empowers you to live that out. <clears throat> so, our first three points were beware. Beware of attacks. Beware of being self serving. Beware of proving yourself. Beware. Beware signals, caution or danger. The next two points are about be aware. Focus your attention here instead of there. Be aware of opportunities. In verse 10 said, Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Be aware of opportunities. There is always an opportunity to worship Jesus. I've shared many times about uh, our boys and how when they make poor choices, we ask them, What fruit of the Spirit were you living out in that moment? What fruit of the Spirit was missing? And Xander always tells us that uh, self-control was missing. That's the one he needed a little bit more of, and that's the one that next time he'll make sure he has with him. And Alistair rattles off the whole list. Oh, love, joy, patience, peace, kindness. And he rattles it all off, all nine of them. And, and I said, so you need all of them, Alistair? Yeah, I all of them. Okay, so next time we're going to do better and use all of them. Yeah. All oh, love, joy, and tears in his eyes because he doesn't like getting in trouble. Where Xander's like, more self-control, Mom. Can I go? <laughs> Are we done? <coughs> Alistair's tender little heart is like, I don't want to. I, I, I'm sorry. And he's panicked that he's going to get in trouble. <clears throat> but our point in asking them that question isn't for Alistair to cry or for Xander to get anxious and get on to the next thing, but it's for them to be aware of an opportunity, an opportunity to do it different next time and an opportunity to glorify the Lord in the moment of their poor choice. Because while we can come down on them and say, go to your room, I can't handle even looking at you, we can also turn the table and say, where was Jesus in this moment? And usually we do pretty good about asking them where Jesus was, and sometimes we just tell them to go to their room. But when we do it well and ask them where Jesus was or what fruit of the Spirit was missing, we provide opportunity. We provide opportunity that in the midst of a wrong, that Jesus can be glorified. That in the midst of a poor choice, we can still come back around and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And in this situation, Jesus is aware of an opportunity. He's aware of an opportunity to tell the devil that there is someone bigger. And that no matter how much you tempt me, I will always worship the Lord. I will always give him glory. Galatians 3.3 3 says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? What you've started in the Spirit needs to be finished in the Spirit. Don't revert back to your sinful flesh. Don't revert back to choices that lead you astray. Always bring it back to the Spirit and glorify the Lord in all things that you do. Because it's a position of your heart. It's preparing yourself for what the Lord wants to do in you and through you. As I reflected on what Dr. Kegel shared in my immediate response and then moving through over the course of the next two weeks of what is the opportunity? How is this to glorify the Lord? Because you know, whether my identity is in Alistair's DeGeorge syndrome or in being his mom or in being Bob's wife or being an employee of Foursquare those things will all change. All of them will change. Because I will still be Alistair's mom, but if I'm gone or he's gone, it will look different. I will always be Bob's wife, but when he's gone, or I'm gone, it will look different. Because frankly, if I leave first, Bob will remarry. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> they're <done> that <laughs> it will look different my identity is in Christ and my opportunity is to declare my identity in Christ mm-hmm. so as I wrestled with that for that moment in time and then came back and Bob wrestled with that for that moment in time it came back to my identities in Christ. And this is my opportunity to declare it. This is my opportunity to say, I don't need anything that the world has dished out. I need Jesus. And my son needs Jesus. And my family needs Jesus. And no matter what that looks like, those waiting room opportunities will still be there. They'll just look a little different. Because now I'll be declaring Alistair's healing versus sitting side by side and sharing my story of how my boy is sick. It's an opportunity to declare my identity in Christ. Romans 8.13 says, For if you're living according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And I want nothing more than to live in Christ. To declare his works in my life. To declare his works in my family. It's an opportunity. Be aware of the opportunities. Be aware of God's word. We see... In this passage two times where jesus points it is written he points the devil to the word now i don't know about you but if jesus can point the devil to the word then that's good enough for me because when we're aware of the word nothing can stand against us because when we have this in our hand in our hearts and in our minds we have everything we need to go to battle because as pastor bob prayed this morning the battle's not ours alone the victory is already ours and that's because of this word that's because jesus has already fought the fight keeping full of god's word is the best way to stay full of the spirit you want to live a spirit-filled, spirit-led life, it starts right here. It starts in an everyday journey in his word. Now, what does that look like? We've talked about this many times. How often do I have to read the word? How often do we get to read the word? What does that mean? How much do I have to read? Where do I start? For everybody, it's different. And I have shared with you that I can't do a Bible plan to save my life. And there's a reason. Because I am so task-oriented, if you give me a Bible plan, I will read it in order to check off the box. And that doesn't serve the purpose. That just means I've got to check off a box, which I like to do. (laughs) And I'll gladly read through my entire Bible to check off a box. But what's more important is what those words are doing in my heart. So for me, I can't do a Bible plan. And while I faithfully read through the word every day, and right now I am reading through the book of Psalms, but if I miss a day not reading in Psalms because I read somewhere else, I don't get hung up. I used to. (laughs) Everybody grows. I can't get hung up there because I know that the most important thing I can do is be in the Word. The most important thing for me isn't checking off a box because then I do it for all the wrong reasons. So I ask you today, are you reading the Word? Be aware of God's Word. What is it ministering to your heart? Is it helping you fight your everyday battles? Is it helping you get through the wonderful celebrations of life? Is it helping you get through the worst of days? Because that's what it's about. It's not just about the pat on the back. It's not just about, oh, today's really going bad, so I'm going to read my word. Maybe I'll find some happiness and some joy. But on my most exciting days, when things are really going well and Alistair was healed from his eye surgery or whatever it was, This is where I want to be. I want to say thank you, Lord, for everything that you're doing in my life. And on the very worst of days, when things are going horrific, and you get that phone call that you just don't want to hear, this is where I want to be. Lord, you are my strength. You are my comforter. And I need you. I need to hear from you. And the only way that happens is right here. The only way that we can draw closer is by spending time with someone. So the other day, Bob and I went to dinner. I'm going to share a story. (laughs) We went to dinner with some friends, and we were sitting there talking, and they asked us what our favorite... Uh, vacation was and then they asked us they went down a, a list of what are your favorites you know first time hanging out in this environment there are other pastors and so we've been to a lot of pastor stuff together but this was the first time that we'd hung out just the four of us and so in trying to get to know each other a little better so what's your favorite vacation and so we shared bob and his favorite vacation is disney cruise hands down the best vacations we've ever had um and then we talked about it, and then they said, asked us something else, what was our favorite, but I don't remember the specific, and Bob goes, oh, Lisa doesn't have favorites. Lisa doesn't have a favorite color, and she doesn't have a favorite. I'm like, I do have favorites. I do. I have favorite ice cream. It's mint chocolate chip. <coughs> I do have some favorites, but I don't have a favorite color because I like lots of colors. It depends on my mood. I do have a favorite flower. It's yellow roses, but I don't have... <laughs> Now you know. Uh, But I don't have many favorites. (laughs) Please. But when it comes to my favorite color, it depends on my mood. It depends on what it is. I mean, I could say my favorite color is green, but I wouldn't wear green. See? When we were first married, we got towels for our bathroom. They were purple and green because my favorite color is purple and green. But I wouldn't wear those colors. So, you know, you can't ask me what my favorite color is, but, like, my favorite color for what? For my house or for my clothes or, you know, for what? Having those conversations, you get to know each other. You learn about each other. And the only way you're going to learn about your Savior is to have a conversation with him. To read his word. To sit in his presence. To find out what his favorites are. Because he has favorites. Not favorite people. Don't be confused. (laughs) But that's the only way you're going to learn. Be aware of God's word. Mm -hmm. Sit in his presence. Learn about him. Read about him. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers, deceiving yourself. Do you know what that means? Be doers and not hearers? If you come every week and listen to Bob and I, and hear the word, and then don't leave here and do it, you are hearers of the word. You have to be a doer. The Bible says be doers of the word, not just hearers. So everything that you hear Bob and I say, yes, you're supposed to be doing it. (laughs) The Bible says so. (laughs) You have to be doers of the word and not just hearers. Colossians 3:16 says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord." I'm going to read that one again. "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another." In psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in the hearts of the Lord. We're supposed to dwell in his word. Be aware of God's word. Be aware of opportunities and be aware of God's word. This is how you live a spirit-filled life. This is how you make a difference. This is how you position your heart for the miraculous. As I studied for this time to this morning, I asked the Lord to position my heart for the miraculous. Because I don't just want to contend for it. I want to see it. I want it to happen. And in order for that to be the case, we have to be spirit-filled. Because it's with the spirit that we see his gifts. It's through the spirit that his gifts happen. And the miraculous is his gift to us. Jesus was filled with the Spirit, and it's his command to us to be filled. Jesus commands it because he knows that we might fear it. We might be hesitant to be filled with the Spirit. Because what will that mean? What will that look like? If I'm filled with the Spirit, will I now be a weirdo? Mm-hmm. Will I now be one of those people that just walks up to someone on the street and says, I really think the Lord's saying this? That. <laughs> that would be a weirdo. <laughs> you don't have to be weird to be spirit filled. Mm-hmm. Jesus commands for us to be f- spirit filled. John twenty twenty two. 22 it says and when he had said this he breathed on them and he said to them receive the Holy Spirit receive the Holy Spirit Jesus wants to do miracles through you John 14, 12 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Greater works. Everything that we read about that Jesus did, that he healed the lame man, that he made the blind to see, We get to do that even greater if we're filled with the Spirit. And in John 16, 14, it says, He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it for you. It is the gateway to the gifts of the Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it is your opportunity to move in the gifts of the Spirit. To position your heart for the miraculous you have to be filled with the spirit because the miraculous happens through the Holy Spirit this morning I want to give opportunity for those who have not been to be filled with the Holy Spirit and this isn't anything strange or anything weird as we've already talked about it's about the next step in your commitment and your relationship with Jesus. Because you can invite him into your life and you can call him your savior. But the next step in that relationship is about being filled with his spirit. So that you can walk in the same power that Jesus walked in. So that you can pray for people to be healed. So you can see limbs grow back and people raised from the dead. Because it is available today. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, in my opinion, that America church, American church doesn't see it like Dr. Keegel sees it in Sri Lanka is because it's our identity. My identity is in Alistair's sickness, when my identity should be in Christ. and while I had to wrestle with that, I don't want any of you to wrestle with that. I want you to know that your identity is in Christ, and if you're filled with the Spirit, you can pray today for the miraculous. And you can position your heart for it to happen, and not just to contend for it to happen. It is available today. So this morning, we're going to go ahead and pray, because I want to leave this room without having the opportunity for you to be filled with the Spirit so that you can have that encounter with Jesus, so that you can go to your neighbor who's been sick and pray for them with confidence that the Spirit is at work. Because before today, you could have been praying because Pastor Bob and Lisa said it's a good idea. But after today, because you're going to be doers of the Word, You are praying because the Spirit is within you. And you have made a choice to pray for the miraculous. You have made a choice for the Holy Spirit to be lived out in your life. For people to know that what you have is more than just a good prayer. But it is the power of the Holy Spirit within you. if you'll take a moment and bow your heads and for those of you who have never asked to be baptized with the Holy Spirit all we do is pray for you there's nothing weird or crazy we want to pray for you for those of you who have been baptized of the Holy Spirit and have not lived a Spirit-filled life after that, or have laid it aside. I want to pray for you as well, because the Bible says to continually be filled. It's a daily filling. It's not a one-time gig. Every day we are to call upon the Lord in request to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a continual filling. So I'm going to ask, if you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, or if you are not sure if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, if you would just make eye contact with me, I would like to pray with you this morning. I would like to pray that the Holy Spirit fill you. Jesus, thank you for those who have responded. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, today I pray that you come over them in a mighty, mighty way. Lord, that your spirit fall upon them. Lord, that they walk a life that is empowered by your grace, that is empowered by your spirit. Lord, that they would choose to every day call upon you and live the miraculous. Lord, that your spirit would dwell within them. Lord, that through an encounter with you that they would walk in your gifts, Lord. Lord, that they would not hesitate to, to declare you and to call upon you. Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit. Oh, Lord, Lord, for all of us. Jesus, we all need more of you. We all need a continual filling. We all need your Holy Spirit more and more every day. Lord, may we be aware of the opportunities and be aware of your word. So, Lord, today I pray for everyone in this room to be filled with your Spirit. Lord, to move in your power. Lord, to declare your greatness. And Lord, to be used mightily of you and of your spirit. Because your word says that we will do greater things than you did. Because of your spirit. So Lord, today we declare that in your mighty name. Lord, that each one of us will leave this place empowered by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Mm -hmm. Good word. We got it recorded. We should post that on the website, huh?